So at the beginning of Luke 10, Jesus sends out 70 of his followers to do his work in the places where he himself cannot go or get to. Uh, And then in verse 17, those who were sent out return rejoicing that even the demons submit to them. Indeed, as messengers or angels themselves, it's the same word in Greek, they have been given power over those who do evil, but Jesus is quick to remind them that this is not the point. Instead, it is God who has already conquered that gives us the confidence and the endurance to face our own battles against the adversaries of fear and division and pain. This is the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 10th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. The 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, in your name, even the demons submit to us. Jesus said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. See, I have given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this, that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. Music videos can be pretty bizarre, especially when you're watching them for the first time and it's a song you really love. And the music video for Amy Grant's 1984 hit single, Angels, is no exception. Now sure, the lyrics are pleasant enough, inspirational even. I like this song. Angels watching over me every move I make. Angels watching over me every step I take. But pair those lyrics with images of Amy sitting on a bench in front of a darkened window with these disembodied hands reaching through, Uh, or this pair of mysterious masked people, or whatever this is, and suddenly inspirational turns into unsettling and even a little creepy. And I promise you, these are actual scenes from the music video. I couldn't make this up if I tried. You can look it up on YouTube. It's a great song, low-budget music video. (laughs) Angels are mysterious beings, though, aren't they? We think of guardian angels, or those cute, precious moments, ceramics, or other figurines that we might buy on the shelves of a Hallmark store, or the kindly Della Reese or Roma Downey from the popular 90s TV series Touched by an Angel. We might imagine heavenly beings dressed in bright white robes with feathered wings and brightly gleaming halos playing gentle harp music or Sunday school kids dressed in acolyte robes with those slightly misshapen, gold-colored pipe cleaners for halos, cutely stumbling through their lines for the Christmas pageant. And our Bible is full of stories of angels. The Hebrew and Greek words used or translated as angel mean simply messenger. Angels are messengers of God sent to do God's work and to carry 
news to God's people. In the Old Testament, an angel appears at the last minute to stop Abraham from sacrificing his only son, Isaac. An angel defends the Israelite slaves against their Egyptian pursuers as they cross the Red Sea into freedom. An angel protects Hagar and Ishmael as they set out on their journey after being abruptly sent away by Abraham. And still another angel feeds and sustains the prophet Elijah in the wilderness. So many other stories. But then we move into the New Testament and we encounter angels who announce the birth of John the Baptist to Zechariah and the birth of Jesus to Mary and Joseph and the shepherds. And then angels again appear to attend to the adult Jesus after his temptation in the wilderness. And then in Matthew's gospel, it's an angel that rolls the stone away from the tomb. Angels permeate our scriptures and our imaginations. But have you ever noticed how a lot of biblical stories featuring angels include the line, do not be afraid, right? Can you imagine having to preface any conversation you have with the lines, don't be afraid, right? Like what must these angels look like that our first instinct is fear? Maybe Amy's music video was on to something. Maybe angels look more like Michael, the archangel. Michael is one of only two angels to be named in the Bible. The other is Gabriel, the one who brings good news to Mary and Joseph. And in Christian artwork, Michael is often depicted as though he's ready for war, wearing armor, holding a spear or a sword in his hand, and slaying a dragon. More like a scene out of Game of Thrones than touched by an angel, if you ask me. In the Bible, Michael appears by name three times, most prominently in the story that we heard from Revelation today. It's a scene of cosmic war, an epic battle between good and evil that plays out in heaven. Michael and his angels lead the charge against the dragon and his angels, the one called the serpent or the adversary or the deceiver. The scene of war in heaven in the middle of the book of Revelation, one of those murky books that we don't often understand, comes to us as apocalyptic literature. Now, apocalyptic literature often dramatized real-life circumstances, but in mythic or fairy tale-like stories in order to reveal its point. That's what apocalyptic or apocalypse means, to, to uncover something, to show something uh, to us. Apocalyptic literature in the Bible was meant to give hope to the early Christian community who is experiencing persecution, when their worlds were collapsing all around them, when life as they knew it was falling apart. Apocalyptic literature, such as what we find in Revelation, testified to God's ultimate victory over evil, that no matter how bleak things got, God would somehow, some way, triumph 
still. So Michael and his angels defeat the dragon, but that's only the beginning of Revelation's climactic central chapters. In the verses and chapters to come, the battle continues to play out on earth, but with a renewed sense of incredible hope because this dragon has been defeated in the heavenly war, it is already losing the earthly war. Or as Luther writes in that great hymn, A Mighty Fortress, that we'll get to sing in just a few weeks, though hordes of devils fill the land, we tremble not, unmoved we stand, they cannot overpower us. Still, the battle against evil continues, and we know our own adversaries well. War in our world, violence on our city streets, divisions between people and nations and families, even the adversaries and evils that come closer to home, addiction, depression, anxiety, grief, life-threatening illnesses. This summer at Unity, many of us read Rachel Held Evans's book, Inspired, where she retells familiar Bible stories in fresh ways. In her chapter on apocalyptic literature, appropriately called resistance stories, she writes, it might not look like it now, but the resistance is winning. Fairy tales are more than true, not because they tell us that dragons exist, but because they tell us that dragons can be defeated. We know dragons exist, but these stories remind us that dragons can be defeated. That's the core of our hope as the people of God. Michael defeats the dragon, and a loud voice in heaven proclaims the victory song. Salvation and power in God's kingdom have come. We have conquered by the blood of the Lamb, Christ crucified and raised to life. The Lamb who was slain has begun his reign. This is the feast of victory as we sing at Easter. So often, though, it can be difficult to perceive that victory when we live in this in-between space between good and evil, hope and despair, life and death. Where in that in-between space do we hear the song of victory? This feast day of Michael and all angels, we retell and we recall the stories of biblical angels, the protectors of God's people, the messengers of good news who show up time and again in times of distress and crisis. These angels point us again and again, as one pastor has noted, to God's abiding with us amid the changes and challenges of life. Even in the midst of brokenness, we gather together as a community that clings to this hope. In broken bread and outpoured wine, we are nourished and sustained. We are sent forth even as angels ourselves, messengers of God to bear good news and hope to others, to proclaim the ultimate triumph 
of, of God, the victory of our God, that goodness is stronger than evil, that love is stronger than hate, that life is stronger than death. And so with angels and archangels, with seraphs and cherubim, we raise the glad strain, Alleluia, Alleluia.